But amen, we welcome you this morning, 2 Timothy, if you'd turn there, 2 Timothy. And uh, as I mentioned, I want to begin a new Sunday school series, and uh, uh, like a lot of my uh, sermons and even uh, some Sunday school series, they're triggered uh, by questions that people come and ask me. Uh, they'll, people will come and ask me a question, they'll come and uh, inquire, they'll come, or I'll hear them make a statement. Uh, not always here, uh, sometimes in various places around the world, uh, but people have come, why do we do that, Pastor? Why is that so important? Why do we believe that? Why do we have standards? Why do outreach? Why altar calls? Why Jesus' people weddings? Why do we preach against sin? Why do we, I mean, it goes, why do we plant church? The list goes on and on and on. And, uh, and so I want to begin this class on our core uh, convictions. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it's kind of an introductory class this morning, then we'll move into uh, detail and particulars. But uh, there's a reason why we got to the place that we're at today in God as a church. Uh, these flags didn't just jump on the wall one day. Uh, there were dynamics, and, and you, many of you saved here. Some of you came out of other uh, uh, churches, etc. Uh, rare. I, I really don't know of any churches that plant churches the way we do. They may have a satellite church where the pastor is on TV every morning in another location. They call them campuses and etc. But... Um, what we believe as a body of believers is critical. And one of the difficulties as the years pass, uh, there are those here that wasn't here when we fought through things. We battled things. We paid a price for things. And so they don't realize the value of that. I always, like I always tell these guys, when you plant your first church, get ready. Hell's going to slap you around if it can. Um, you, I've had guys, they plant a church and all of a sudden their um, uh, money disappears. Or when you move locations, change locations, sometimes uh, people use that as an opportunity to exit. When you plant your first missionary, get ready for an atomic attack. Uh, because hell and the nature of your enemy is if he can attack the congregation. I was, I was talking to Tori just the other day, and I said, um, anytime I'm talking to a man on the field or internationally or, or whatever, it, uh, I never uh, go down a road if there's any difficulty or struggle or crisis or things going on here. I said, because the further away you are uh, from the base, if we just tremor, they go like this out there. And so uh, I've been a missionary. I know what it's like to be a long way off. And so uh, all of these were things that were learned and purchased and paid a price for by this congregation and myself. Uh, and, uh, and so I just felt inspired to... Uh, take some time the next uh, few weeks and, 
and reiterate and go over just some uh, core convictions. And so in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing from prison. He's writing to Timothy, a young pastor. Uh, he's, he's soon to depart. This is his last uh, epistle that he's writing. Uh, he's at the twilight of his life. And so it's very interesting how he writes to Timothy and some of the things he says. Um, and I want to use this as a support uh, of, of what we're going to try to accomplish in the next few weeks. I need someone to get for me 2 Timothy 1, uh, 13 and 14. Who will get that? Uh, Ike, if you get that. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, uh, if you get that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 14. Who will get that for me? Uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, uh, Garrett Moore, uh, verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 and 14, Alec. And so let's look together. If you put these up on the board, is anybody back there? Sheesh. We have no one. All, has, all Asia has forsaken me. Amen. Okay, 2 Timothy 1, uh, 13 and 14, if you'd read this. Paul is writing, and he makes this statement. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which has committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Okay, uh, we're going to hold fast the pattern. The good thing which was committed to you, I want you to keep this, Timothy. Now, Timothy's just, uh, he's a young man. Paul is getting ready to go into eternity. And, and here he is. I'm leaving. That, that's, that's my call. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Going to be one of those days. Glory to God. Going to be one of those wonderful days. And so uh, he's saying, listen, I have deposited things in you. I have set a pattern for you. It's critical that you keep it. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Okay, so here now, he's saying, Timothy... Uh, there's been things that have been deposited in you. They've been put in your trust. Uh, this word commit, they, they, it's like I've left a treasure in your safekeeping. I want you that same thing. I want you to deposit that, not just in anyone, but in faithful men. In other words, we're talking about generational. Okay, then verse 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about uh, words to no profit, but to the ruin of the hearers. Okay, remind them of these things. You're going to have to remind them. Repeat over to them. Okay, chapter 3, verse uh, uh, 10 and verse 14. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, 
purpose, faith, and long-suffering, charity, and patience. And in verse 14, but continue you in these things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. Okay, uh, I've deposited this in you. You have learned this from me, Timothy. You've followed my doctrine and my teaching, not just that, but my manner of life and purpose and faith. He lists these things. And he says, you must continue in the things which you've learned. And so uh, uh, that's our uh, foundational scripture. And so I want to I kick this off. Uh, uh, the law of drift. There's a law in life. Uh, anything left to itself deteriorates. Second law of thermodynamics. Uh, it's a universal law of decay. Any of you ever garden? You don't have to do anything. You just leave it. Your house, some of you ladies. Shame on you. Your car. Uh, your body. If you just, just don't bathe for a while, and you'll, it affects relationships. Left, just left to itself. Um, but this is not just true. This is true of your mind. It's true of your conscience. It's true of the church. It's true of faith. It's true of what you believe. If you just leave things to themselves, that's why I have to deal with things as a pastor. I can't just, it's not just going to work out. That's not the nature of sin in life. It won't just solve its own problem many times. Because of this law of drift, and especially when you traffic from generation to generation, things are lost. Things that were so common and so clear to the next generation who comes through this church, it's not clear at all. And that's why they're, Pastor, why did we do that? Uh, why do you say that? Why, why, why is that so important? And, and the list goes on and on and on and on. So Paul understands this. He's writing to Timothy. And he said, you're going to have to guard this word, hold fast. You're going to have to watch over this pattern. Don't let it slip out of your hands. Hold it mentally. You're going to have to be strong here, Timothy. The good thing which I've committed to you, I've put something in your hands. Um, I trust you with it. Now you, you, you can't be slack here. The opposite of this is the prodigal son. The prodigal son, Jesus told the story, he took his father's inheritance, this treasure, and he wasted it on riotous or worldly harlot living. And so if you don't value things, and sometimes if you don't understand things, then you don't recognize its value. I mean, often you'll, you'll read about some painting that was hanging on someone's wall, and maybe for years. And once in a while, sometimes I'll watch those, uh, uh, what do they call it, antique, uh, where they bring all their junk and these guys appraise it. And once in a while, someone will have something, man, and they have a clue. You can see they're shocked at the value. Or you'll read of something. And, and so 
the purpose, part of the purpose is to realize the value and the price that was originally paid by this congregation and people. The sacrifices they made. The battles they fought to get us to this place. And we enjoy the fruit of that. And we need to value that. And so... um, uh, uh, years ago, I was in the Philippines, and, and this also was very common in Malaysia. Uh, you can be using the exact same English word, but it means something totally different. I remember being in the Philippines many, many years ago with Pastor Mitchell, and we're having this conversation with these pastors, and, and I think it was Pastor Mitchell last one says, so what does democracy mean to you? And they said, well, it, it means you have the right to kill uh, your opponent. <laughs> I mean, literally. You, you guys have it right over there. If you want to just uh, a political opponent, just shoot him dead. Amen. I, but I can remember in Malaysia, uh, you would say things, you would use terminology. And, and, but the meaning wasn't the same. Uh, uh, I'll see you later. They would wait. They, they would just wait there forever. Uh, go catch a taxi and go. Or remember the term off the wall, that's off the wall. Guys would come and preach and they'd be preaching and say, that's off the wall. And everybody would look at the wall. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, uh, it's possible to be using terms, discipleship, church planting, morals, righteousness, uh, sin, Giving, tithing. It's like today when I preach, and I, I forget who it was. It was Tori or somebody, somebody too. I can't remember who it was. I, I use the term fornication. They don't have a clue what fornication is. That's why sometimes you're, that means when you're sleeping around with, uh, you know, and you're, you're, you're sleeping with someone who's, and I, you're, you're, you're having sex, and I try to clarify it. And so, um, and so uh, you can use the words, But do you grasp what it means and the price that was paid? Whether it's salvation, repentance, the altar, commitment, sacrifice. I can remember I came back from Malaysia in 1990. And when I left, you could not get in the prayer room. I mean, people, those days we were all young and agile there were no chairs, and everybody sat on the floor and prayed, and uh, and they were stacked in the prayer room. I came back, and I went in the prayer room, and John Johnson was in there. <clears throat> I walked around a corner, and we have you know the Christmas banquet every year, and I looked on the and they had pictures of uh, some of the young girls in the church, and they had went to the banquet as Playboy bunnies. They did a drama or something. And here are these girls in the church. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. (laughs) That's the law of drift. Amen. (laughs) And so he says, you're going to have to hold fast the pattern. This blueprint. And it's not just the, the, the technical, but the ingredients. The ingredients. It's, it's like a, a recipe. It's like uh, you've got your mother's recipe. And, and you know, don't you, don't you ladies hate those recipes, some of these old ladies? They can cook, man. It's like heaven. 
and said, well, how'd you make, I took a pinch of this and a pinch of that and threw this together and that. No, 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 no. You know, what kind of pinch? You know? And, and, uh, and so uh, my mother made applesauce fried pies. Oh, they were from heaven. She made the dough from scratch. Connie and I, we have prayed. We have fasted, not really. But I mean, we've tried, we've, did, we've done biscuits, we've done bread. We made, to this day, to this day, we, we can't do it. Amen. And so anyway. And so here, it's a particular way that things were done. He said, you've carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, and purpose. Now I want you to continue. I want you to pass this on. And so uh, in the Old Testament, there's these powerful statements that refer to this about landmarks. I need Proverbs 22.8. Who will get that for me? Uh, Proverbs 22.8. Yes, anyone new? Anyone new? Anybody else here can read? Um, Okay. Uh, Shane, uh, Deuteronomy 19, verse 14. Uh, Deuteronomy 27.17, John. Deuteronomy 8, 6, anyone else? Yes, Richard. Uh, 8, 11, uh, uh, Guillermo, anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, Dave Smith, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 14, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 17, uh, Billy. And so uh, uh, it's interesting that here is a generation that, uh, and, and I preached on this some time ago about landmarks a few weeks ago, but this is something that's lost in America, and I'm not going to review all of that. But the landmarks of, of marriage, the landmarks of, of uh, somebody told me, I can't believe it's true. I, I don't know if it's Keith Walker. Uh, who sent, Somebody sent us this text or something. I think it was Pastor Keith Walker that 50% of people they interviewed in America didn't know what Easter was. Was that, was that what it was, Tori? That, that's... I, I find that hard to believe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's true. But that's a landmark. I mean, I, I can't even grasp that. Landmark, moral landmarks that have been kicked over. Uh, uh, these landmarks of prayer in the school. Uh, uh, these landmarks of the commandments that's been ripped out of courtrooms. No wonder. And I could go on and on and on. But let's see what the Bible has to say here. Proverbs 22.8. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. Ah, that's not it. Is it 18? Is it 22.18? For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips. Pardon? 28, okay, thank you, try that. 22, 28, do not, move on, do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. Okay, do not remove the ancient landmark which is set up by your fathers. Your fathers, they've, they've placed something in the earth that, that it, it, it gives you direction. It, it keeps you on the path. That's what this class is going to be about. Deuteronomy 19.14. <clears throat> I give that to anybody. I'll read. Uh, anybody have that? 
or no? You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess it. When I preached this sermon, I talked about this young guy bought this property, this old lady had uh, there at Granny's and his buildings on my land. <clears throat> and I went over and talked to him because I know, I grew up there. I know where the landmark is. And uh, he got a little uh, uh, sassy with me. Tony Tomley knew him from back in the day. And uh, no problem, I got, a, I got a backhoe. I can move that shed, you know. But it didn't come to that. I, I'd rather than have that. I just had it surveyed. And sure enough, man, his building, man, was from here uh, to that wall on my property. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> in his mind, <clears throat> he bought this land. I don't know what he thought, but that's the difficulty. There are people sitting here, maybe that to you, you don't understand. The price I and this congregation have paid to establish these boundaries and landmarks. And see, the inside of these is security. Inside of these, there's, there's peace. And inside of these, God can breathe and move. In, inside of these, disciples and churches are planted. And people can live for God for the long haul. Inside of these, it's not insanity. Okay? These are landmarks. Uh, 2717. John? Anybody helping him? Wrong, John. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. I should have uh, put a big sign right by on my property facing his property. Amen. Uh, and all the people shall say amen. In other words, God said there's a curse that's released when you mess with this. See, this, now we're moving into something totally different. A curse is when these spiritual forces that are, they are beyond the natural, they're released against you. A curse is at work. And God said this is so critical these landmarks, these boundaries, these reference points of life, the Ten Commandments are God's landmark. These, these reference points that if you mess with that, you're cursed of sin and repentance and forgiveness and, and salvation and the blood of Jesus and the resurrection and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're speaking. To, I remember in the Assemblies of God, I got saved in the Assemblies of God and everywhere I went, if you were filled with the Holy Ghost, the evidence of that was speaking in tongues. No question. That's not true today. I can remember in the Assemblies of God, uh, I wish I'd have kept it, this old membership form. And no TV, no movies. And that's, you know, that's when uh, uh, Mayberry was the, the worst, you know, that they preached against Mayberry, you know, Andy Griffith. <laughs> They'd follow. They'd rise from the grave today, and and I can remember uh, no cigarettes, no alcohol. Had a dress code on the membership. Today, I don't know. I haven't been to Assembly of God Church in a long time, and God love them. You know, I'm not here to just. But but I I can remember even before I left the assemblies. 
that there was this big controversy uh, at Carlinville uh, at, at the yearly meeting uh, over a lot of these churches. Um, uh, 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 what's his name? Actually wrote two or three books. He was the uh, general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Uh, what was his name? Yes. Uh, he, he wrote uh, Back to the Altar. He, bought, he wrote Back to the Altar. He wrote another one, I think, uh, Back to Preaching. He wrote several because they were drifting. They were drifting away. And, and so he said there's a curse, see. That means you don't have dominion. A curse is the absence of dominion. And, and so you mess with these things, then there's a curse released. Okay, what's, uh, what's the next one? Uh, De- Deuteronomy 8, 6, is that the next one? Okay. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. Okay, eight eleven. Beware that thou not forget the Lord thy God in keeping... His commandments and His judgments and His statutes, which I command thee this day. Okay, don't forget this. The next one, 8.14. Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Okay, 8.17. And then you shall say in your heart, my power and my might, my hand has gained me this wealth. Okay, that's America right there. That's America right there. And that can be you and I. Uh, is that when God begins to bless or God begins to move, uh, I tell some of these door directors, uh, uh, when, when you go out to Pioneer, you won't have anybody to tell what to do. You better learn to do it yourself. Some of these door directors, you, you, you got men, a lot of times, you got all, all kinds of guys around to help you, just waiting to help you. And, uh, uh, and so... Pioneering is not like that. But, but so here is the dynamics. You cannot uh, violate these landmarks without horrible, horrible, horrible con- consequences. And so <clears throat> when it comes to core convictions, the core, the core, the central most important part of something, probably the core of an apple, this is where the seeds are. This, this designates the DNA. The core is the essence of a person. That which defines you, your conviction. I, I read the, the core of the police department is to protect the people. It sets the substance, the course, and the quality. In, in your physical, the heart, the backbone, of your physical. That's the core. And so what are your core values? What are your core convictions? It's the root. It's the guiding principles that will dictate your behavior, your actions. Are your core convictions building something that lasts? Jesus talked about there's he that builds on sand when the storms of life come and it it falls. See, we're we're talking about something that brought us to this place. 
We've survived things, attacks and assaults and, and, and uh, had to judge people who sinned, put them out of the church, uh, had all kinds of dynamics. Well, a lot, of, a lot of churches don't survive that. Not in continuing to disciple and plant churches. And, and as I get older, older, over and over again, I, um, I was just with Larry Voss and his wife. She got saved in a meeting I preached when she was a teenager. They got kids now that are teenagers. And they're pastoring. And, and uh, she, she, I was talking to him and her. And she said, Pastor Campbell, I'm so, so thankful that you come and preach for us. I preached for them Thursday and Friday night. was in the El Paso Conference Tuesday and Wednesday says, you come and preach for us, and you still preach the same. You still stand. You still have the same. And, 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 and I, that's critical. And that's not just true of me. That's true of people here. And that's true of this congregation. Now. And so <clears throat> I remember years ago, there was a, a leader in our fellowship, and Pastor Mitchell loved him dearly. And I told Pastor Mitchell, I said, the problem, Pastor, it's just not in him. It's just not in him. It's not in him. The core's not there. I didn't use that terminology. And uh, uh, this guy eventually, uh, and the way we, he had a conference, he, you know, there was a lot. Of, he launched churches, but they were never his own. They were never out of his congregation. It'd be like we have a conference and the only people we launch would be out of, out of Texas or somewhere else or, or James Martinez or, or whoever and never launched any of our own. And, and this guy, when I heard him preach, he'd just make these statements. Uh, and I told Pastor, I said, listen, it's just not in him. Something's missing. It's not there. And you can love him. You can put the veneer on it. You can promote him. You can do it, but it's not in him. And if it's not in him, it's not going to produce. And eventually uh, he rebelled, left, etc. And it's interesting, one of the guys in the church, he went down the street, started another church. One of the guys in the church, uh, he worked, and the first thing this guy did was went by TV. First thing he did. And, uh, and I, you know, if you got TV, God love you. I haven't had a TV in so long. I don't even know what they look like anymore. No, I'm messing with you. But uh, uh, I don't have time for it. So anyway, um, what are your core convictions? This guides your decisions. This is going to determine your relationship with the world and with God. It's going to very much dictate who you will be down the road. What are your core convictions? Steve Jobs, I was interested. Uh, so I, I Googled this because uh, 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 he had a statement, uh, core convictions. And, you know, he had some nutty things about him. And, but, but it was interesting. He said uh, at a critical time, he said Apple was, was a massive company. Massive income, and they were telling me, listen, just let it slide. But he said, my convictions were, never let it slide. I can't just let it slide because now we're a big company. We must have the same values now as then. We must build the best product. The inside 
What you don't see is as important as the outside, what you do see. And we don't do it for money. Marketing is about values. Don't sell. And he used a word. But if you ever, I read his book a number of years ago, and he was obsessed with the inside. A, a screw. Where you could, had to be in the perfect spot. And he said where he got this, the man who raised him was an ex-military Marine, I believe. And so they're going to build a picket fence. They're going to build this picket fence. It, it, you know, it's got the frame, then you got the pickets. He said, my father made me paint inside the part that was going to, you'd never see. He said, that was everything in life. And there's a spiritual principle here. Do you have convictions about what people don't see? Is that as important to you as what they do see? Or is it as important to you how you act at home as you're acting here this morning? How you talk at home? How you live at home? What you look at at home? Those are convictions Core training, you know, you hear a lot today about core training, why it's so important. It supports everything else, your spine, your balance, your internal organs. It will keep you from injury. It will keep you stable. Your future health is depending, dependent upon your core today. This is just in the natural physical body. And so, and so uh, uh, this whole thing is about core convictions. That which holds your life together. That that keeps you when the winds and doctrines and the storms of life come, you're not going to fall over. As a church, as an individual, as a family. It's going to protect that which is vital. It'll protect your salvation. <clears throat> How, you know, I, I've, I've been saved longer and others here too than, than many of you have lived. Now, how, how, how did that happen? You know, there were people who got saved the same time I did. And some of them didn't last a week. Some of them a few years. Why does that happen? It doesn't have to happen. Do you have convictions? These are stronger than values. They will dictate your values and your decisions and your behavior and your conduct, what you speak, where you go, how you live, how you act, what you do with money, what you think about, what you give yourself. Do you have convictions? It's powerful. This congregation has core convictions. Remember uh, Frank Cooper, <clears throat> uh, Caesar was telling me, uh, he, was, he was first here, and I don't know what all created this conversation, but Frank looked at Caesar and he said, listen, we keep our word around here. That's the core conviction of this. Do you keep your word? Do you keep your word? I'll see you at 8 o'clock. That could be 8.30, 9.30, uh, 2082. Uh, when is it? 
Does your word mean anything? You always make excuses. I feel it already. This is going to be a great class. I'm going to enjoy this class. Uh, but, but what Frank was saying to him, uh, this, this is one of our convictions around here. Now, where you came from may not be, but listen. We keep our word. <clears throat> That's true. I, it's true when I raise money. Uh, we raise money for missions. We don't spend it on anything. We don't buy a card with it. We don't do anything. We use it for what we designate it for. Your word. Core convictions. So convictions are stronger. I'm, uh, what time is it? I don't have a watch. That way I can preach forever. 1040? Oh, we're running out of time. I was going to get some input, but let me. Convictions are stronger than values. This is where you've purchased a firm belief. My convictions are not for sale. <clears throat> They're not subject to change. What are your convictions? They include values, commitments, and motivation. Let me make a statement. A conviction is something you will die for. You will risk for. You'll argue for. You'll stand for. I have a quote. It's sad today too many Christians have strong convictions about weak issues. Football and fashions. I always hit football because I, I play basketball. Amen. I, amen. I always hit the football guys. But we have strong convictions about football and fashions and weak convictions about major issues of what is right and what is wrong. You get more lit up if somebody says something about your team. And you do if they say something, they use a bad word. What are you willing to stand? What do you want? No, that's not right. No is a powerful word. No isn't. You better learn it. Teach your kids. No. No doesn't mean maybe. No doesn't mean come back five minutes later and I've changed my mind. You teach your kids that? Or does no mean yes? Because if you do, you're failing them. You're not teaching them core conviction. No is powerful. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to go there. No, no, I'm not going to enter that conversation. We're going to, no, we're not going to do that. That's not, no, 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 no. She ever see the little kids with the t-shirt, my name is no, no. So we got maybe a few minutes, a couple of minutes. And so I've just simply did an introduction uh, and then we're going to deal with specifics. Uh, George Rose, you have something? You know, this is something that you said before, and I, I love using this when talking to young people, especially they're in the value of decision. It's about the setting of your will. And uh, you, I know you used the illustration of concrete. There was a point in time when the concrete that's under this floor was fluid, it was unsettled, and it could be shaped and molded and impressed upon. But now that it's set, we don't think about it because it supports us without us even considering it. And when we do that with our core values, when we do that with 
things that are important to us, we don't have to think twice about what our course of action is going to be. We don't have to think twice about what our decision is going to be because it's already set. It's settled. It's yeah. unmovable. And it's not changing. And you can trust in it and be secure in that. Yeah, set it now. Don't wait till you're in the back seat of the car <clears throat> and someone's biting you. Set your will now. I'm not going to, I'm putting myself in that place. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to do that. That's a conviction. That means no matter how handsome, beautiful, words, language, chemistry, dynamic, it means I have a conviction. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. That's conviction. That'll save your life. Amen. Set your will. It's powerful. God, God, God gave you a will. God predestines and you free will. You choose. What do you choose? That's a conviction. Could we have to do with tithing, money? It's unending. But don't, if you wait, the problem people do, well, when I'm when I'm when I'm tempted or in a crowd, then I'll no, no. I'll set it now. What time is it? Quarter till, okay. Well, any other uh, revelation, great, insightful question, statement? If not, praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, God bless you. Uh, we're too late, sorry. Amen. Pick it up next week. Next week, we're going to move into some subjects.